that's going to get better. And we don't ever want to turn down anything that's better. Amen? I've been planning to preach a message for a while now. I've said this several times. And because I've said this title of my message several times just in a comment, I don't want you to think I've actually preached on it before because I have not. But I've made this statement on numbers of occasions. The title of my message is, Anything God Has Ever Done, He Can Do Again. It may not be that He will do it again. There's some things God's not going to do over again. He said He wouldn't in some cases. In some cases, just know He won't. For example, the world's not going to be destroyed by a flood again. No matter what kind of tsunamis you see all over the world reported and all those things that happen, God's not going to destroy the world by a flood again because He said He wouldn't. Every time you see a rainbow, it tells you that's the promise of God. There's never going to be anyone crucified again for the sins of the world. One time, one only, never to be again. Because His blood is efficacious forever. But there are some things in the conjunctions of our lives, things have got, that God has done, where we want to build a memorial to say, this is what God did. And because God did this, he's able to do it again. And when he does it again, it could be even greater and probably will be greater than the first thing that he did. So God's miracles are testimonies that he has greater things yet to give to us. I've come through major illnesses in my life. I've faced blindness and God by bringing the circumstances in just the right order, provided me the sight that I've enjoyed all of these years, which with a short period of time it happened before God came on the scene, I wouldn't have been able to look, be looking at you today. I faced death. And the doctors called my family and said, all come together. You better come and speak to him now while we know that you can. And I won't give you the details, but as things progressed, I didn't get better. I didn't get worse. I got better. First it got worse, then I got better. But God is able in all things to bring us through. And this is how we fight our battles, by being surrounded by Him. God gives us the victory when we let Him fight the battles. So anything He's ever done, He can do again in your life. And I believe we'll see things that God has done before happen again. I, I will confess to you, as I believe I have on numerous occasions. I don't always understand exactly the way God does things. I don't know why he chooses to do them the way he does. And I don't want you to come up after the service explaining it to me because I don't think you know either. <laughs> when I come to times like that, I'm really glad I'm not God. I'm even gladder that you're not because I, I don't want anybody to be God except him. He'll put it together, he'll work it out, and he'll make it perfect. And when God does it, we'll know it's God, and we'll rejoice because God is the one who's given us the victory. Hallelujah. Now, if you want to shout anytime you want to stand up and praise God and clap your hands, that's all right. This is one of those shouting messages. I've seen God do so many things. I want to share a few things with you that... That in the light of our own circumstances, I believe, can be a great blessing. So 
I was thinking back as I prepared this message of, of many things that God has done. I can't tell all of them to you. I'm going to tell you this one thing just because the, I want to let you know that, that God is in control and God will do things the way he chooses to do them. So when your prayer should be, oh God, take control and give me the victory. You don't have to tell God how to do it because he knows better how to do it than you do. So this man in our church had a really serious physical condition. Some things today that seem relatively simple were complicated a few years ago. This man had a double hernia, and it was extremely difficult. He was the drummer in our church service back when I was the pastor of Calvary Temple on the north side of Jacksonville. I can tell you his name right now. And, and the doctor scheduled him for surgery. He came up to the altar for prayer on the Sunday morning, barely able to handle himself. He was, he was, he was really great physical distress and pain. And we prayed for him. And the next day he went to the doctor and they prepped him for surgery and they did surgery and they prepared one hernia. They said it's so severe we can only do one at a time. And so they did one. So people said, well, you know, we prayed while he didn't get healed. So then he came back and a little period of time passed, whatever time it was for recovery, that first incision and surgery that he had. And the doctors prepared him for the next time. They set the appointment for it. And, and uh, he came back again for prayer before going for the next surgery. You know, sometimes you, you don't have to give up because things don't happen the way you wanted them to the first time or the second time or any time. You don't give up because it didn't happen the way you wanted it to. So he had to have the surgery. His hernia was repaired. Now he's going to have the second one, a very severe condition. He came up to the altar for prayer. We prayed for him. And the next day, or day after, I got a call from him saying, Pastor, they canceled the surgery when I got it. Why? He said, because they couldn't find the hernia. Now, why did God do it that way? You go home today, you pray about it, and you ask God if he tells you. You can, no, don't even bother to come back and tell me. It doesn't matter why God did it that way. But God did it that way because that's what he chose and wanted to do. Maybe even to emphasize how great the healing was. I don't know. But I know it happened. I know he came back and was playing the drum just as energetically, I'll say, as he always had. So God does things, and he, and he does them in his way. I looked at this property where we are right now. For some of you, I know it's been a little bit of a concern. You don't know why it's like it, it's worked, things have worked like they have. You know, the more I think about it, the more I realize how God has been so good to us. How God has made this all possible for us to be here in this beautiful place where we are right now today. I read somewhere that, and I don't want to set this as my pattern because things that other people do doesn't mean that that's the plan of God for us by any means. The Saddleback Church in California, where Rick Warren is the pastor, never built their first building until they had 10,000 people in attendance. So we're way behind that so far. <laughs> I don't know exactly, and I can't tell you exactly what God's plan is. But I do know this. I know 
thus far because I can recognize the works of God. And if you can't, then your faith is too weak to believe God for what he's going to do next in that following step. I can see what God has already done. In our case right here, when we had to vacate the property where we are, a property, by the way, that is still not sold, and I won't say any more about it. That's all there is. It's, just, it's still not sold. It's still there. I drove by it yesterday. I said to Carolyn, do you think God will ever bring us back here? She said, oh, I pray he won't. God help us anyway. And I'm not even saying, not even a hint of a suggestion that he may do that. But if he did, we'd go, wouldn't we? If we knew it, if we knew it. That's not going to happen. Oh, I hate to say that. Once you say it's not going to happen, I take that back, Lord. We pray it won't <laughs> so, so we had to get out, and we couldn't find a place to go. I mean, we looked all around. All, every, all kind of, every kind of empty space that we could hear about, we went and looked everything, everywhere from Wells Road up here to Fleming Island. We couldn't find any place that could come that could help us. And if we did find any place, it would take a long build out to get it ready, it's just wide open space. We looked everywhere from up at the corner right there at 295, up there almost on 295, back behind everything. Looked all down this way, looked, and just kept looking, found nothing. And one day my realtor said, we had been and looked at this church. We've been and looked at it twice. And they wanted $15,000 a month to rent it, lease it. And uh, we couldn't pay that at that time. We were a lot better off financially than we were then. God's made so much more out of us than we were then, but we couldn't think about $15,000. It was kind of a stretch to think about anything, but we were trying to our very best and believing God and walking with God. And so... Uh, a realtor, a good friend of mine for many years, who was helping us at that time, said, well, why don't you just go make an offer to them on the property out there at St. Margaret's? That could be First Assembly. I said, well, they want $15,000. He said, well, go offer them half of what they're asking for. So I said, well, wouldn't that be kind of insulting? He said, what does it matter? They're not your friends. You're not your friends. Just go with some business. Go offer, offer them half. I don't know if, if God gave him a revelation. I know God speaks to all kinds of people, and sometimes we don't even know it's God speaking to them. I don't know what it was. But I said, well, why not? So we did. We offered them half of what they wanted for this property. And as soon as we made the offer, they took it just like that. Now, we needed that because we had no place to go. We had a deadline to get out of where we were, but we didn't have any place that we could go. And so God opened the door to this place. So ready for all anybody had to just come in here and move in. And they accepted our offer, wrote up the lease in less than a week, got it in our hands, we looked at it, signed it, and this was our property to come to. We put the money down. In fact, it, it, was, it was almost too ready for us. We packed up all of our things over the old place to bring over here, and we got over here and found out they hadn't taken anything with them. Everything was still there just like it was. Every computer, every desk, every chair, every table was still right there. We had to move things out to have space to move into. But God took care of us. Now, I see that as a miracle of God's provision. That doesn't mean it has to stay that way. We've made an agreement now for a extended, extending our lease, for a lengthy extension on our lease. And as I said, it's a gentleman agreement. We've shaken hands on it. I expect it to be fully done, fully executed, and put together. We'll let you know when it is. It won't be long. 
But the point of the whole thing is that when you have a need as a body of Christ, that wasn't just for me, that was for all of us. That was for those of you who were not even here yet. You're here now and you're part of it. That's what God was doing. God was setting up this place. And I looked at it and I thought, well, you know, I don't know why I would have ever been surprised at that. Everywhere I've ever been in the ministry, God has always performed a miracle of location. Every time. Starting out years ago, the first church that Carolyn and I served as pastors was a little church, maybe just a little bit bigger than the historic church back here on the back of this property. A little bit bigger than that. Back in the country, on a dirt road, it was a church called Whitley. I never did find out what Whitley meant. It was just a community out there in the country, I think. It wasn't a town or anything. It was just a, a community, an area. <laughs> so we became the pastors of Whitley Pentecostal Holiness Church. One quarter of a mile off the main highway down a dirt road. And the first thing I got there, when I got there, the first thing I thought was, this place has got the move. We can't stay back here on the back side of the road. We're in the sticks. If you live a quarter of a mile on the dirt road back from the main highway, I'm not saying you live in the sticks. I'm just saying you went there was the sticks. <laughs> so, so I only stayed there about seven months. God really led me and spoke to me and moved me out of there and away from that organization into the Assemblies of God and to Tarpon Springs, Florida, where we built a, an outstanding a church is still there. I've been by it recently, and the church is there thriving, a great work of God still going on. But we needed property, so I went around to all those tobacco farmers in North Carolina. The ones, that ones had all the land around there. Those, we said, are the tobacco farmers. <laughs> and you, you'd go up there, and these old guys up there, and the, and out there in the overalls, and hang, just hang it in, and you'd say, this, our church is looking for land. Well, yeah, you know, well, you know, preacher, I've got some land. You, we don't, don't think I want to get rid of it. God ain't making no more land. Yeah, I know. That's right. We just want a little bit of it. Oh, we went to people, and, people, and what they ran up against, even if they had the land they weren't using, it affected their tobacco allotment. So if you got rid of five acres, you cut down your backer allotment, you couldn't raise as much backer. And you couldn't make as much money, so it was hard to get a place. But God opened the door right out on Highway 70. The church was built out there. I got it all ready to build. Did not build the church. God led me away. It was already they built the church where we got the land. So God gave us the land. So I moved out to Tarpon Springs in May 1961. I remember the date exactly because May 1961 is Billy's birth month. He's bur- he was born on May the 16th of 1961. And we started down there when Carolyn was at least eight and a half months, maybe even nine months already. Craig, the, the doctor said, well, if you're careful in making the trip, you can go. We believed it was God, or at least we didn't know any better, so we just hauled off and moved down to Tarpon Springs. And two weeks after I, we got there, Billy was born in Clearwater, Florida. We're in Tarpon Springs. The reason why it was Clearwater doesn't matter. And so, in that little church, there was a building already there. 
not, a, not, not any kind of elaborate building. It's a nice building, really nice building. So we started there. God built our church up over four years to about 150. And during that time, this is what I want to point out to you. What I saw this week, I never thought about it. While we were there, we didn't need any land because the person who had built the church, who became a member of my church, who built the church for us to get there, had bought all the land from one street to the next, a long strip of land, one block long. And during the course of the time that I was there, the people who lived next door in a nice house next door also owned the same amount of land. And so that land was didn't have, the land the church was on had the street frontage front all down the side. But the other land just joined it and made the land that the church owned twice as large with the new contiguous piece that the neighbors owned. When they got ready to move, wanted to leave, they wanted to sell the property. Our little church, struggling as it was, put together what we needed to do to buy that property. So we doubled the size of the land and gained a house that the church owned when we purchased that land. I'm just telling you now, what God has ever done, God can do again. Because you see, God owns all the land. It's His. So He can do with it what He chooses to do. And it was a really good thing for us because when we bought that house, we were living in the back of the church. Really, literally, a little apartment in the back of the church. So we, we bought that house. We were able to move over and live in that house, and the church had double the land that it had before. God does great things when great things are needed. So then, and then from there, I went to a church in North Carolina. Dunn, North. Have you ever heard of Dunn, North Carolina? D-U-N. Have you ever driven up and down Highway 95 you, through North Carolina? You've passed right through Dunn. We lived there for eight years. The church was in a, a run-down neighborhood of Dunn. It's an old, old building in a run-down neighborhood. And the neighborhood was some deteriorating as well. And one day I'm driving out of Dunn on my way to Raleigh to make a hospital visit. Those days, if you wanted to visit somebody at the hospital, you just about had to go to Raleigh or, or Durham or, or Fayetteville or somewhere besides Dunn because the hospital there wasn't large enough to accommodate hardly anybody. Different situation today, but that was another day. So I'm driving on my way to make that hospital visit, and I see a sign up on a realtor's office in front of his, front of his realtor's office. I see this sign, and it says, Acreage for Sale, Fairground Road. So, I, so I, this is land for sale. I've never seen it. Look at it. But I drive by that sign, and the Lord speaks to me because I've been praying about what to do about the location of the church. And the Lord spoke to me and said, there's your land. Those days I wasn't sure that God would speak to me. I, I, I wasn't as sure about it as I am today when I hear that. But I thought, well, that, maybe that could be. So I went on to make the hospital visit. Coming back, I stopped into that real estate office. When I spoke to the realtor, I said, oh, yes, that's out there where they used to have that plant nursery. There's pipes and all under the ground, but it's not that bad. He said, and there's, uh, there's uh, 10 acres for sale right there, right now. I said, 10 acres, that's about what we need. So I went back and talked to my church board. In those days, I called it the church board. I never, I made a decision along the way, not at that time necessarily. I never called a, 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 a board of accountability, whatever they may be. I call it a church council. That's what we have here, a church council. I don't want to explain the difference to you, but I see a lot of difference. But anyway, so so I go to my church board, 
And they want, for that 10 acres of land, this is a little church with an income of about maybe ten, eleven thousand dollars $11,000 a year. This is another day. That was a lot of money, more than it is now, but it still wasn't a lot of money even in then. I mean, you talk about an annual income. The church was less than $50,000. We have a lot of Sundays now where we take more than that. But, of course, money is today not worth what it was. And I understand all that. It was a significant amount. So I went to my board and I said, I just found out that we can buy 10 acres of land over there on the Fairground Road, which was kind of out of the rural part of Dunn at that time. And we can buy it for $12,000. They said, $12,000. Yeah, and it seems to me like a good purchase. Oh, man. You would have thought that I talked to them about moving to Cleveland, Ohio, and taking over the Indians baseball team. Or something crazy. So, but we talked about it. We met again. And one of my men who had been the most problem to most pastors that had ever been there, who never was a problem to me, but he said, Pastor, if you really, you really want to buy this on, you believe this is of God, he said, I'm going to get on board with you. And I'm going to see if we raise the, half, we raise the rest of that money that we did, I'm going to give you to the church half the money to buy that land. He could have bought it all just as easily, but but he left the son through the church to challenge. So I, we said, okay, let's all do it. So we went to the church. And went, anyway, fine, we bought the land. And this is the important part. We bought the land. God had a place. God said, this is where I'm going to put you. And right now, all these years later, there's a beautiful Assemblies of God church setting on that property that's thriving and doing well, preaching the gospel as it has all of these years, because God knows how to put a plan together. God knows what to do to make things work. God knows how to cause it to happen. And so anything God has ever done, he can do again. I've already told you three instances where he did it and did it and did it. I've actually told you four because I included our church in all of that. I got a couple of other things of places I could tell you about. I'm just going to skip over those. But God, everywhere I've been as a pastor, God has done that. And it's already done here because we're here in this property. But God has another step, a further plan, a development that will conclude in God's time and God's order. And God will have us for the future until Jesus comes exactly where he wants us to be. I would be delighted if it's here. And it may very well be. I see things looking better and better towards that prospect. But I am willing to trust God. Because as I look back and see what God has done over the years, I've seen him do it time and time and time again. And what I know is, what I'm absolutely certain of, what I can give you as a guarantee, is anything that God has ever done, he can do again. Hallelujah. He can do it again. Glory to God. And it isn't just in material things like that. I've let my time run long. How many of you both would give me 15 more minutes? I didn't tell you what time it is, but I take that as unanimous. God has done it in the spirit and spiritual revolution as well. I told you about the healing. I could tell you things that happened at Calvary Temple in that same church where the man with the hernia was healed. 
I can tell you about things that happened in that church again and again and again. But God broke out in a great revival and began to move upon people in ways that that church had been there for many, many years. By the testimony of people who had been there, most of the life of that church said, we've never had things happening like they're happening now. This is a great move of God. That was the place where I told you about where God led me and said, you're going to see my power today. I went in that night and people just, as we prayed for, they just began to be falling out all over the church. I told you that so many times I'm not going to tell it again. But that's where that happened. And other great things happened there as the gifts of the Spirit moved and God worked and flowed and really, really just declared himself in so many ways, so many times, just declared himself to be God who's in control and whose authority reigns. That's what we want to see. That very move of God is exactly what we want to see. So, so the turning of God's the turning of God's hand and, and, and showing what He can do is a revelation to us to believe that and stand on it as something that God will do again or in an even greater way. Maybe not in the very same way. I haven't asked God to move in the same way here that he's moved anywhere else. I just said, oh God, we know the moving of your Holy Spirit. And when you're working, we will know it and we will acknowledge it and we will accept it. Confess that this is you and give you the glory for it. Years ago, I was just a young evangelist. I, I was supposed to teach school in a, in a high school near the place where I graduated from college. And I'd signed the contract. But during the course of that summer, I was in a revival in Clinton, North Carolina. And God was moving and people were being saved and being blessed. And in a night prayer meeting, God spoke to me and he said, I don't, I've called you to preach I've not called you to teach school. I've called you to preach. And that's all. Then I I started thinking, I've got a contract I've signed. I thought about it for a a while. I don't think more than a day or two. I I knew God had spoken to me. Just like he called me to preach, I knew he was telling me that. So I I called the principal of the school where I'd signed the contract, and I apologized to him. I said he knew I was a preacher because I'd already taught there one quarter, the last quarter of the previous year. So he knew me well. That's really why I had the contract. And so I said to him, I, I really, it's, it's, it's in the summer, it's late, I'm sorry. I believe I'm supposed to be preaching instead of teaching school. And I said, but I've signed a contract. And if you want to hold me to that, I would not blame you. And I will honor the contract if that's what you tell me I must do. He said, no, I know your heart. And I've, I've, I've known you now this period of time here at our school. And if you feel like that's what you're supposed to do, that's what I would rather you do. I'll look and find someone, but I'll release you from the contract. So he did. So I just went on preaching my merry way, and I was tickled as happy as I could be. I had just bought a new car, and I gave up the job that guaranteed me income to preach as an itinerant evangelist wherever I might go and raise whatever little offerings I could have to make my car payment. I didn't have many other, uh, many other obligations, but I did have that. And so, so I'm, I'm preaching in all these places, and, and uh, I, I, they, 
in the, that, I was still in the Pentecostal Holiness Church at that time. That was before Whitney. And so I was out preaching in these various meetings. I preached at almost all the little towns and cities of North Carolina, and especially eastern North Carolina, that you could name. I know I've been there and I've preached there. And a lot of them in South Carolina. I went to South Carolina for a great revival. I didn't know it was going to be a great revival. I just invited to go. And they, want, they, they tried to have every church in that denomination have a revival the week of Pentecost, the last week culminating on Sunday, on Pentecost Sunday. That was a tradition there for several years. And so I always got invited to preach at Pentecost Sunday because, well, for one reason, they ran out of preachers. Every, every church was having them, so they had to find preachers. But, I, but I, it, it wasn't just because of that. God was blessing, and I was having revivals in places that, and so I didn't worry about making my car payment anymore because God just filled up my calendar with every, I, I didn't have any slack time. It just was one meeting after the other. And then God led me to a church I'd never been there to have one of these Pentecost week revivals. It was in Shiraw, C-H-E-R-A-W, an Indian name, South Carolina. I just found out the Friday night that Jim Garrison's from Bamberg, South Carolina. He's born there. And I thought when they told me that, that those towns were pretty close together because I remember Bamberg well. They're not very close together, but I know Shiraw and Bamberg and Bennettsville and all those places in South Carolina. So I was in Sheraw, South Carolina for a revival meeting. And I started preaching on it on a, on a Monday night. Closed out the last revival on Sunday night. Went over there and started preaching on Monday night. Monday night, the first night of the revival. The little church was full of people crammed in. And at the end, some people started coming to the altars. I invited them to come. And it, just like, it, it was like something drawing them. And something was drawing them. They got up, they came to be saved, they came to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that first night, there were several people saved, several people baptized in the Spirit. The next night, the same thing. It was a mighty move of God, powerful move of God. And I'm talking to you now about one particular thing. Anything God has ever done, He can do again. So what happened was, in that course of that little bit of time, the pastor took me out to visit people in the church. They did that in those days. You're trying to have a revival, they want to take you out to eat and take you out to meet people and visit people. I don't know why, but thank God that's not the way it's done anymore. So so we went out to visit this woman. She was she was uh, lived in the country, just out from Shiraw, and we drove up to her house, and, and, and we saw her out in her yard. There's a big black kettle with the fire around it, with the fire blowing. That's the way they used to wash clothes. You know, there was a day when we didn't have washing machines. You do know that, don't you? So, they, so the clothes were in there. They were stirring it with the paddle. She was stirring the clothes. She had about eight or nine kids. I, think, I can't remember for sure. Eight or nine kids. Now and so she's cooking for them every day. Now, you don't go down to Publix and buy the processed food and just warm it up and put it out. Those days, you cooked the meals. Morning, noon, night. You did the washing. It was a, it was a job. So we are there talking to her. And... Uh, and uh, she just happened to say to the pastor, it was just in conversation, she said, well, pastor, you know, a few weeks ago, God spoke to my heart and told me that if I would fast every Friday from Easter to Pentecost, he would send a great revival in our church. If I would fast, now here's this woman, later nine kids, pulling and tugging at her all the time, got the pastor, patched their overalls and cleaned their 
laundry and by hand and cook for them three meals a day. And, and uh, talk about a full-time job, that was more than one. So she said, but God spoke to my heart and said, if I would fast and pray every Friday from Easter to Pentecost, he'd send a great revival. Now, up to this time, I'm thinking, well, God has helped me see the way to have revival. I've discovered the answer. I'm preaching every night. People are coming to the altar. They're getting saved. They're getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues. They're raising their hands. They're shouting all over the place. I'm thinking, what has God shown me how to have a revival? And then I heard this woman, as I drove away from that, I thought, well, I don't know anything about this. I just don't really have anything to do with me. This woman heard God, listened and obeyed, and she said, and I did it. And I thank God for what's happening. And that's exactly why I'm telling you, my friends, today that fasting and prayer and waiting before God and laying before Him and crying out for God's answers will produce the answer. That will produce the answer. Because anything God has ever done, God can do again. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I've seen it. you see it. We know it. And now we want to see it again. Now we want to see it again. And I believe that we are seeing it. And I believe that we will see it. And what God is doing, what God is going to do, what God is planning, we have only seen the very beginning of it so far. We're ready for the great, great things that God wants to pour out upon us. Because we know the God who has been faithful thus far is going to be faithful the rest of the way. We sang that this morning. He's always been faithful, and He is still faithful. And promises God has made, God will keep. If God's made a promise to you for your life, for your family, God's going to keep that promise. God's declared something in your heart, and you've heard the voice of God, and you know it's the promise of God. It doesn't matter how long ago it was said. God is going to keep that promise because he is not a promise-breaking God. He makes promises to keep them, not to break them. And I believe God has spoken a great promise over this church. I believe God has spoken a great promise, a great prophecy over this church. I'm going to tell you right now. I ask you for 15 minutes, and I'll take them away. We're staying for. Just this last little bit. Because, because right now, I'm going to give you a chance to experience what God has for you. If you believe God keeps promises He's made to His people, He will do what He said He will do. He will honor all that He has bound Himself by His Word to do. I'm going to give you a chance to experience that in the presence of the Lord this morning. I know some of you are, <clears throat> some of you have already been in this altar. That's well and good. That is nothing wrong. It's glorious. I'm going to give you right now, if it's been a while, I'm saying this especially to you, those of you for whom it may have been a while, since the power of God really came down on you and touched you, and you knew this is God. This is God's power. And you knew it. It has been a while since that's happened to you. And you're ready. Because that, my friends, is what makes the difference. That is what makes the difference. 
I don't want to go another day, any day of my life, without feeling God's presence and God's power and God's victory. Because I know that everything he does is getting me ready for the next great thing that he has planned and that he's going to do. Because anything he's ever done, he'll do again. All these great things that I've told you about, and I haven't told you the half of the things. Couldn't even, I, it would take me a, a, a month of series to preach the things to tell you the experiences of what God has done, how I know God has proved himself to be a powerful God who does great and wonderful things, who answers prayer and gives us miracles. And I will tell you that now is the time for that to happen again.